time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. You're riding on a jet airliner en route from London to New York. You're at 35,000 feet atop an overcast and roughly 55 minutes from Idlewild Airport. But what you've seen occur inside the cockpit of this plane is no reflection on the aircraft or the crew. It's a safe, well-engineered, perfectly designed machine. And the men you've just met are a trained, cool, highly efficient team. Problem is simply that the plane is going too fast and there is nothing within the realm of knowledge or at least logic to explain it. Unbeknownst to passenger and crew, this aeroplane is heading into an uncharted region well off the beaten track of commercial travelers. It's moving into the twilight zone. What you're about to see we call the Odyssey of Flight 33. Episode number 54 of The Twilight Zone was The Odyssey of Flight 33. And uh, Sean, as we've done this podcast, um, I think I've lost track of, of what was on my Mount Rushmore Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> but, uh, we more or less gave up. Yeah, this would definitely be a contender. It's a, it's a good one. I, I enjoyed this story and... Um, I, this is this is honestly just the quintessential Keith episode. I think, um, you know, you have a time jump, uh, you have planes, you have, um, you know, the the tale is a, is a modern telling of the fr- Flying Dutchman, which yes. makes me think of the Frying Dutchman naturally uh, from, from the Sea Captain from he's Simpsons. A, so he's a remorseless like, eating machine. <laughs> this is so. Um, I I feel like the, they made this episode just for you. It might be, and I, and I think that this was one that I, I missed when I was younger, and so I only saw it, you know, in in the marathon years, so probably, you know, teens or or so was probably the first time I saw it, and um, yeah, immediately fell in love with it. Um, it you know, doesn't it, make a huge splash, um, so in that regard, I think it's pretty underrated, but I've, I've always loved this episode, and I've, like you, I've only seen it during marathons. Yeah, uh, time travel, airplanes, dinosaurs, and people who are doomed at the end. I mean, it's <laughs> like, like you said, it's a quintessential Keith episode. Uh, the, the story uh, takes place uh, all exclusively on an airplane. It's uh, Global Airlines Flight 33. And I don't know if you noticed this while you were watching it, Sean, but uh, they, they showed several uh, exterior shots of the aircraft. Right. And it's a Boeing 707, which isn't too odd because it's, you know, 1961, 62-ish. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that would be the big airplane at the time. Um, you know, it's still fairly early in the jet age, and, and that was pretty much your only option at the time. And uh, But instead of having uh, the the livery of an airline, which, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, livery is the, the paint scheme. <laughs> uh, I, I could just say the the paint job of an air of an airline, but but no, I've got to be all all That's no fun. say That's no say fun. livery. Uh, instead of having the livery of an airline, it actually says Boeing seven hundred seven, which means that they basically probably just licensed footage of like the first flight of a Boeing seven hundred seven and just just use that. Um, and this, I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I, I saw that you know basically the 707 was introduced in 1958. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's new, you know, still in the first couple of years. I can't imagine if, if they're if the, if the Twilight Zone is writing stories about whatever they find around the lot, they probably don't have the money to secure a, a, a 707 like three years into its usability. Probably not. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and also, like, I, I doubt they were painting like generic airline liveries on Boeing 707s at the time. And it's not like you could do it with a computer. So they had to do yeah. with what they they could get their hands on. And they did a good job. Uh, but the other thing that jumped out at me is, uh, you know, you know, they, so they, they 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 show the crew working in the in the cockpit. And I don't know if you've ever been in a in the cockpit of a, a jet airliner, especially a seven hundred seven, which is older, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hey, there ain't no way you're cramming five people in there. No, um, I mean, I just I just chalked it up to. <laughs> Pre nine eleven, I guess. Um, you know when the pilot would uh, let a kid fly while he knocked back a couple, uh, couple highballs. Um, yeah, way way too much room. And and you 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 found a little bit of uh, um, vindication in going back and looking at that episode, didn't you? I, I did because when you look at like uh, Rod Serling giving the narration, there's like a, a plaque thing just over his shoulder. That uh, that lists like the flight crew and, and it's got uh, it's got, uh, you know, like the captain, co-pilot, engineer and flight attendant. Yeah. And that's it. So <laughs> so there clearly isn't room for five people in there. I, I, I just think there, there was a lot of stuff that they had to balance. And, and so they didn't want like, you know, the same three people just having all the lines for for 30 minutes. I think that makes sense. Yeah. The. um yeah, I, I can't imagine cramming more than two people into a cockpit nowadays, let alone let, let alone five. No, I, th- I think three would have been normal. And, uh, you know, back then they actually did have a, a flight engineer. So I, 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 th- I think, believe it or not, they would have tried to cram three people in there. <laughs> but I, I'll bet, especially on a 707, that would have been uh, pretty close non-COVID <sighs> friendly quarters. No, not at all. And if you're flying during the summer, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Got to leave some uh, space for the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that wouldn't have been an option for them with five people in there. It's true. It's true. Uh, so the episode takes place exclusively on this airliner, though they do look down and see a few things. Uh, but we'll get into that in, in a second. It's a flight from London to New York City. And uh, it's, it's about to fly into New York City, uh, actually. Uh, Idlewild Airport, which is that JFK or LaGuardia? JFK, um, and I always forget that it had a different name. And of course, being that this is before November 1963, makes sense. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. They probably wouldn't have named it uh, after JFK before you know when JFK was still with us. I mean, I know that uh, I know that there's some states that have decided to name you know highways after Donald Trump already. Sure. But that uh, it, it doesn't seem likely while he was actually president. I mean, I already have a Kamala Harris. Uh, tattoo on the small of my back for 2024. So. I, I, I expected as much, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Captain Farver is in control of the uh, airplane, and I don't know that anybody else actually has names. No, and uh, I don't know whether... Uh, usually I get annoyed um, when, when a TV show doesn't name their characters, but at some point, I don't know, it's like the Twilight Zone has this, it kind of assumes upon itself when it's like, all right, you guys don't need to know this person's name. <laughs> like, we're, we're not giving Paula a last name. Um, and what was the episode we saw a couple weeks ago where, uh, I guess it was last week, the, the doctor was just the doctor. 
Yeah, and, and we even had to look that up, but but yeah, the character <laughs> was just the doctor. It's like, I don't know, it's 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 like me trying to tell a story at a bar. Like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know Paula's last name. Does it really matter? No? Okay, can we move on? Thank you. <laughs> Which, by the way, I don't know if uh, in any of the reincarnations of the Twilight Zone they've ever redone this uh, this particular episode, but I, they need I to. So. Well, I, actually, I guess I they missed so their chance. Yeah, now it's now it's uh, righteous might. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- yeah. That's as close as we're gonna. Might just right. Yeah. Did I say might just right or righteous might? You, you said righteous might. You got it right. Yeah. Whew, good lord. Um, that, this uh, this cough medicine's really uh, kicking in. <laughs> and, and I did look up the episode on uh, IMDb, and apparently, uh, everybody does have a a name in this uh, in this particular <laughs> particular episode. At least the you know the the. The, the flight crew does have a name. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I yeah, feel better about that now. Uh, although uh, at, at one point there's a scene, uh, again, not getting ahead of ourselves too much, where there's uh, there's basically a crazy, annoying passenger talking to a, a very dignified British uh, RAF officer. Yes. And I see, according to the IMDb B page, <laughs> that uh, he is credited simply as RAF man. <laughs> So was he a superhero in the Royal, Royal? I assume that that means like Royal Air Force. Yeah, I would assume that's actually probably like the British equivalent of Captain America. <laughs> RAF man. I am RAF man. Um, it was that interaction with the with the uh, the British guy and the annoying passenger that reminded me of um, uh, the Langoliers. Um, yeah. Like that's it's it's like a short. It's a Stephen King short short story that I think was in like the skeleton crew or I don't know, four past midnight, five past midnight, whatever that book's called. But, um, they somehow stretched it into like a four hour, uh, like two parter, like they did with, you know, the Tommy knockers and, you know, the, the shining, unfortunately later and, on and the stand. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man. Um, the uh, and I just like for some reason I could not shake like the uh, the parallels between this episode and that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Lego was like uh, it, it was at a time when there were basically uh, you know it was probably one network. And, yeah, and pretty I, much. Um, <laughs> and, and they were just cranking out a Stephen King miniseries like every year. Yeah, it was like ABC. I think did it. Um, they may have like you know like in the summertime when there weren't new episodes of anything else. They yeah, would premiere like you know the Tommy Knockers. Or and, something and, like. and I believe the Langoliers was like one of the last ones that they did where they were probably just running out of stories at that point. So bad. I mean, it had Balky Bartokamas in it. I think that's the only named star. Um, yeah. And then when that's your only named star, that's not a good sign. <laughs> I mean, at least bring in cousin Larry. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, yeah, what, what I kind of didn't like about this and I am spoiling this episode to an extent here, the Lingo Lears had an ending. Mm-hmm. Whereas this episode kind of leads you to decide for yourself which usually I, I count that as a cop out, but it's it's so much better done. It it, is, it fits so well in this episode. Yeah, and uh, especially the just the way that uh, Serling frames it with the narration at the beginning uh, and the end. Um, the uh, the the one at the beginning is so great that I uh, I ripped it off for. Um, uh, the fake news fairy tale podcast that yeah. I was doing at one point, uh, I did an episode about uh, the 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 Navy UFO footage coming out, and I just used like his narration and just tweaked a couple things, and, was, <laughs> and, it, and I made it a like a Twilight Zone thing, and it was I, I thought it was funny. The the couple hundred people who listened to it thought it was funny, so that's. <laughs> I, I I liked that show you did. It was very well done. Yeah. 
Uh, well, thank you. Um, I, almost as well done as this one. Well, yeah. High bar. Yeah. Uh, so one of my favorite moments is when the um, is very early on in the episode when uh, Captain Farver is um, is just like irrationally bragging about about like his his flying abilities. He's like, you know, I, I guess he's trying to do some exposition. And he's, he says something to the effect of, you'll be happy to know, thanks to my magnificent flying, we'll be landing 10 minutes early. Whew. Yeah, I think uh, pilots really like to brag on themselves. Yeah, I, I think they, they do that constantly in the uh, in the cockpit. Although, yeah, yeah like, like think about the Denzel Washington movie Flight, which is which is great, by the way. And yeah, uh, and he's just he's like sleeping through most of the flight until they crash, which is, <laughs> we'll, we'll let you figure out if there's something going on there. Uh, but but anyway, almost immediately after he says that, the uh, he he notices that uh, the the he feels like the the aircraft is going uh, very fast. And since this is the beginning of the jet age, you know it's believable that he'd probably be flying by the seat of his pants. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, and um, they, they they run into into something that causes you know a bunch of flashing lights and 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 bumps. And uh, th- then suddenly they can't raise anybody on the radio, uh, which is a bit of a problem since they were getting close to landing. And, um, and they noticed that like they were, what is it? They were going faster on the, like their ground speed was accelerating, but their airspeed was not. Yeah, their, their airspeed was, you know, what, like, you know, 500 miles an hour, you know, whatever it would normally be. And the ground speed was like 3,000. Seems out of whack. Which, by the way, if they're only 50 minutes from landing, it seems mm-hmm. like they would have passed the airport if they were going 3,000 miles an hour. I would imagine so, especially on the ground. Now, if the airport was in the air, talking a different story altogether. Uh, that's true. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, so they're trying to reach the airport and they can't. And uh, because of that, uh, they decide, um, well, we better see what's going on here and they dip below the clouds and instead of seeing Idlewild airport or the ground going by 3,000 miles an hour <laughs> uh, they see a dinosaur just, Dinosaurs. Uh, just, just grazing and, and having the time of his life down there what I like uh, the most about the um, the Wikipedia page for this episode <laughs> is when they describe that scene it says the crew realizes that they have traveled far back in time when they see grazing dinosaurs and they link to the word dinosaurs to dinosaurs in case you don't know what a dinosaur is uh, do they link to like the the wikipedia page for the actual like the 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 organism uh, a dinosaur or is it to the the jim henson tv series dinosaurs <laughs> it goes to wikipedia.org slash wiki slash dinosaur now if we wanted to li- I, I definitely think we should do a sister podcast called dinosaurs abc's dinosaurs and <laughs> uh, did, did you ever see the last episode of that show oh that the last episode like I, that actually oh, came up on my tiktok um, it's crazy. My, my tiktok feed the the other day because literally somebody said what's a moment in a tv show that is just like it just wrecked you yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's like them talking to the baby and saying, "Yeah, we're probably gonna die." It's so nuts. It's it's like uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's like a heavy-handed like uh, climate change uh, 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 message. And, it, it is because uh, apparently because of uh, you know instead of dying because a a comet or asteroid hit the Earth, um, I forget exactly what happens, but it's it's something about basically Earl Sinclair, the big the big fat dinosaur. <laughs> 
he basically does something that's the dinosaur analog of creating global warming. Yeah. And, and then his solution to that is let's set off all the volcanoes on the planet. And then that is actually what kills the dinosaurs. It's yeah, it's nuts. It is. I think you can probably find it on YouTube. It's it's worth it. And, and you're right. You know, even during the era when I believe Captain Planet was still on the air, that was some pretty heavy handed stuff. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, I, I view that as one of our you know biggest issues. And even I'm like, all right, guys, you're laying it on a little too thick. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing was, I was just young enough that that when that aired, I was like, oh, when does the next season start? <laughs> like, like, I remember I, I was surprised that it was not coming back. Never. God. Yeah, it's nuts. I, I, I just remember that like the very absolute last scene is the um, is the the news anchor yeah uh, who is named uh, Howard Hand Up Me which was <laughs> just fantastic uh, probably something I didn't get at the time but but now no. I think it's fantastic and he just says he says goodbye at the end and like that that was that, that was almost up there with the dog episode of Futurama R.I.P. Seymour <laughs> exactly my God. Uh, this so, is so probably, like, uh, you know, obviously they're somewhat surprised to see a, uh, a sauropod uh, staying there uh, eating, <laughs> eating lunch. It, uh, it, re- it reminds me of like when uh, when Homer went back to back to the past and uh, just destroyed everything after after a couple go arounds with a baseball bat. Right. Because he, he didn't follow his father's advice from his wedding night. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, remember, I mean, that's good advice for any situation. If you ever go it's back true. in time, don't step on anything. Don't step on anything. Yeah. Uh, so obviously they're not quite sure what to do at this point. Uh, they they just I, I think this is about the time that we we meet the 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 British. Uh, we, we meet RAF man, the immortal RAF man <laughs> uh, and the annoying uh, the annoying woman. uh you know, I, I would be really interested since they introduce, you know, those, those two characters. I'd be really interested to know what his reaction was when he looked down and saw a, a dinosaur down there. Mm. I, I'll bet it was very dignified because you know, he's RAF man. But but still, it would have been interesting. Um, yeah, they don't seem to they need to get a wider range of reactions, I think. Um, who eventually decides what the best course of action after seeing these dinosaurs uh, well, it is actually Captain Farver. Uh, he, he's uh, he's still you know in charge of the cockpit there, and and he decides that uh, uh, they're going to go back and and basically retrace their steps and see if they can they can undo whatever voodoo they've done. Mm. And uh, they they do, and they they make some progress in that regard because they drop down from the clouds and they see what they think is New York. And, uh, you know, they're, they're thinking everything's going to be great, but they, they finally le- reach um, uh, an airport on, uh, on the radio, and they're telling them that they're low on fuel and everything. But uh, uh, the, the, the air traffic controller asks some, some, once again, very heavy-handed questions that basically prove almost immediately that they're not in Kansas anymore. Yes. Um. When they when they eventually get back to non dinosaur times, but they're still kind of in their own, you know, they're they. When do they land? Thirty uh, nine. 
Well, they don't land at the at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But that that's where they are. Yeah. 1939. So 39. That's what, like 20, 22 years from now. I mean, that would be like if, if we were stuck in 1999, that wouldn't be too bad. No, I mean, that, we, that wouldn't be horrible. I could I could live with that. Um, and, and, you know, what I do is I'd grab a little notebook and jot down every single sports thing mm-hmm. I could remember and uh and then and then try to uh try to biff tan in it yeah maybe try to stop 9-11 but like again what what is that you know what does that lead to yeah um you know it's 1939 you know when they do it so you Ooh. couldn't kill you, you couldn't kill baby hitler uh hitler's already already doing yeah. his thing um which <laughs> is kind of a bummer thing. yeah it's a real bummer uh, so, so ultimately they decide not to land and, um, which is interesting to think about because like if they, um, if they, you know, try to, try to do it again and they go to another time, like, like say, say they go to the 1700s instead, you know, yeah, that would suck. They, 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 they drop down out of the clouds and they see Paul Revere riding around screaming the British is British are coming. Uh, there wouldn't be anywhere for them to land, so they're probably all going to die. It's like you uh, bought GameStop stock at $3.50, and then you held that until it went up to $350. Mm-hmm. And then rather than sell... You're like, let's see what else... I, I like that. I think GameStop is going to use this to their advantage. <laughs> Finally, someone can corner the Twilight Zone market. <laughs> and it's not us. Right, um... Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, it's all they can do. I mean, it's either keep trying to go back home or, uh, or, or, or die in a fiery explosion. You, you know, if there, was, if there was a landing strip in 39 for, uh, to, to just kind of, I mean, I, well, I guess the runway was too short to handle the, the Boeing. So, yeah. yeah, I would just try and land and cut my losses in 39. Well, I mean, I've never piloted a jumbo jet, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I do not I, believe it. I, I could totally Ted Stryker an airplane if I had to, though. <laughs> I believe it. I believe yeah. in you. Uh, you know, like like if they ever, if the flight flight attendant ever came on the horn and said, does anybody here have flying experience? <laughs> for, first of all, I would defer to anybody who actually has a pilot's license. Of but course, if, that, if that didn't happen, I would be like, yes, I have actually flown a plane. I don't have a license, but I have flown a plane and I know what all the gauges do. So you can count on me. I'll get everybody down safe or Love it. or safer than no pilot at all anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what would you do? Would you roll the dice and try and get back to 61, or are you cool with 1939? Uh, I'd roll the dice and try to get back to 1961. Mm, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have and, people and that I, love you and care about you. I forgot. Yeah, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, they, they probably could land in 1939. Like, it, it wouldn't be easy. No. Like they, they'd, have to, they'd have to watch the landing, but I'll bet, I'll bet they practiced that before. These, these guys are professionals. Captain Farver doesn't mess around. Mm-mm. They can find a field somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, in 1939, they wouldn't have to. And then, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so you're basically are, you're, you're basically rolling the dice that 1939 is the worst case scenario. That, yeah. you know, there actually is technology. There's a runway you can land on. And anything you do from that point on is going gonna, is gonna to be better than that. Uh, I, I'd make that gamble, yeah. I think, I think it would be a fine... 
I think it would be a fine time to cut my losses. You know, you get to get to enjoy the booming economy. You can we we would be able to be the problem that millennials and people younger than millennials talk about today. Oh, that would be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I could have bought my first house at 19 for $50,000. Yeah. How great would that be? <laughs> so, uh, uh, as you, as you probably would have guessed, even if you hadn't seen the episode, by the way, we're talking that there is no, uh, there's no big twist or anything in no, the finale. No. You're, you're left. Com- it's completely open-ended. Maybe they, they make it back to 1961. Maybe they don't, maybe they all die next to a sauropod. Um, you know, it's completely left up to you. I like to think that they did make it home. And uh, I, I, I'd like to think that they made it home. They got uh, uh, Captain Farber got his license revoked because he was out of communication with the F, FAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the airline was pissed because they burned all that extra fuel. Mm. And they had all sorts of negative consequences because of because of this little 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 jaunt back in time that they they couldn't even control but nevertheless they end up uh they end up getting uh uh, you know having to deal with all the all this stuff because of it and paula and the raf man fall in love a global jet airliner en route from london to new york on an uneventful afternoon in the year 1961 but now reported overdue and missing and by now searched for on land sea and air by anguished human beings fearful of what they'll find You and I know where she is. You and I know what's happened. So if some moment, any moment, you hear the sound of jet engines flying atop the overcast, engines that sound searching and lost, engines that sound desperate, shoot up a flare or do something, that would be Global 33 trying to get home from the Twilight Zone. Gabatron?